0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. Uh, And listen, if you want more of your emails getting in the inboxes of your customers, today's episode is a must listen. We've got that topic and a whole load more to be shared with you today in this episode. And I am joined by my new friend, Isra. Israel, welcome to the show today. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm looking forward to hearing more about your journey. Uh, I've read about your journey, but it's going to be great to hear it from you as well. It's been an exciting journey and obviously really working on email marketing, email deliverability specifically, which is a massive issue. Um, you know, I've been looking at this a lot recently myself as well. So as well as keen to try and sort of uh, focus in on this topic, because uh, I think email marketing for brand owners, savvy brand owners is becoming more and more important for a plethora of reasons. And so uh, making sure that your emails then end up in the inbox of course is of utmost importance and uh, so we'll we'll dive into that uh, but before we do yeah give us the um, you know give us the quick maybe like you know sort of 60 second overview of your journey and then uh, first little bit of the episode we'll kind of unpack that a bit just to learn more about your journey and then second bit we'll talk about email deliverability but, uh, but yeah give us the quick summary just to give us a 10,000 foot view to start with
1: yeah, absolutely. So, I um I actually do- dove into e-commerce in 2017. Um I started my own e-commerce store. I was pre before I was an e-commerce store owner, <laughs> I was actually working um as a safety specialist for the um the US Army in the uh, government. So, I had my kids and I didn't want to travel anymore and I knew I wanted to jump into the online world. So, that's where my journey started in 2017 um and i started my own e-com store and it was kind of i came in during the time of like the dropship gold rush if you want to call right. it that where everybody was making millions overnight with drop shipping um i really didn't it wasn't about making the millions i was just really curious i wanted to get in and learn a new skill um at that point so i started my e-com store i followed a bunch of bro marketers who you know <laughs> had success overnight. And I I struggled a lot because I thought I was failing um, because I wasn't doing the millions overnight either. Um, But then I shifted my focus from there. I had a mentor um, for a little while who kind of guided me through like setting up the store, figuring out your suppliers, getting your Facebook ads up. Um, and I kind of shifted my focus on let's, let's, you know, focus on the customer, what they want to buy and all that. So through just working through some of that stuff, I was able to finally get my couple, my first couple of sales. And by the end of the year, um, I was able to scale the store to mid, uh, mid six figures, uh, quickly within like less than two months of doing it. And then we had the issue of Facebook breaking down which then turned me into um, using email marketing to help basically stabilize the store and and, um, I was also bootstrapped so I wasn't like taking any loans or anything like that or credit cards on. So I needed to basically make the payments by the end of the month and email marketing really helped. Um, What I found out though as I was doing email marketing, um, I was kind of like guided towards using like big brands as examples for email marketing. And I realized that a lot of big brands are like one of the bigger offenders of email marketing. They do they do it wrong, basically, but they have the cash and they have the capital to spend that money. Right. Where small businesses don't. um, So that's when I kind of got introduced into deliverability. It's like, how do you get your emails by doing it the big way? I was actually ending up with low engagement, low drive of revenue, and then eventually spam. And then I was like, well, how do you get in the inbox? And that's how I was introduced in deliverability. And I kind of looked everywhere. I know there's a lot of deliverability um, experts out there, but none really focus heavily on e-commerce, um, which kind of caused me to like become a self-learner and use my store as a... Um, basically, as a um, what's it called? A guinea test, yeah, yes, a guinea pig, a test um, case to figure out what works well for small businesses, how to use email marketing to drive. And um, by the end of that year in 2018, I was able to do 100K easily with my store, um, just tying in the ads and then using email marketing to really drive that 25 to 30% revenue. Um, and then I kind of shifted and pivoted into email marketing because I enjoyed it so much and people were just coming to me saying, "Can you help us?" Um I ended up, you know, selling the store, merging it with a bigger store. Um and then I just went on full um email marketing in 2019. And Nice. That's awesome. What I great do now. story.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, great journey. Uh, a few questions just from that to um to start with if that's okay just yeah. cuz I love uh, just understanding how, how you kind of got there and it's really helpful I think for our listeners as well so this was a, a like a drop sh- uh drop model uh, the, the business yeah
1: is. so I started it as a dropship model because that's all I knew when I came in but then mm. I quickly realized that I had to differentiate because what was ending happening when people found out you know there's tools to find out what's best selling on stores they started basically copying the products and what I actually did I had a very tight Um, customer service, like relationship with my customers, I made sure Mm -hmm. that was like the number one. And through them, I kind of find out, okay, they like the product. They kind of don't like several things. So what I did, I ended up going to private label and recreating the products. A little bit unique. You can't find them, you know, in dropship stores. So we kind of went from dropship to private label um, pretty quickly within like the first couple of months.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah, and you talk. I've seen in your uh, content, you talk about some of those things like – you know, customer services, a few things that you really built onto that, you know, atypical dropship, uh, you know, business model that really helped you stand out. Customer service was, of course, yeah. one of those things. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that looked like? Because you've mentioned it even a couple of times already. How important that was to yeah. you. Uh, you Yeah. Know, why is it so important to you? And, and what kind of impact did that make on the brand?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So customer service, it's kind of like email. People are afraid to send out emails because they're scared to talk to their customers. Um, I'll take that a step further. When I started, um, you know, I, I got, when I first turned on my store, I sold, I think within the first three days I got a sale and it was like, you know, it's your first sale, you get so excited. And then there was nothing for like months, <laughs> for like two to three months, you maybe get a sale here and there. But I had, um, you know, people were checking out. So I had emails and I had phone numbers. And what I actually ended up doing, I just picked up that phone and I started talking to my customers. As painful as it was to do because, you know, you want to kind of stay anonymous online. You just want to make that money and, you know, move on. But that's really not how you build a brand. Um, you know, if you, if you want to make money, if you want to be profitable, you need to talk to your customers because those are the people that are buying from you. And I actually spent a good month of just surveying and talking to them and calling them and getting feedback. so i I dove deep into their um into like the whole like customer service side. Um, I would stay in touch with some people. I mean, I only had like 10 customers at that point, so why not um, but they you know they bought for a reason so that really helped and what what ended up happening is I would drive customers to my ads and have them basically, cement that we are a legitimate business, we do well, we deliver our products because there was a whole like thing of scamming back then as well. yeah and I didn't have the greatest ads because I was running the store by myself. Um, but the fact that customers and people social proof vouches for your business, um, and I knew that if I can just get that, things would take off. and they did. They, you know I spent a good four or five months just working on getting social proof. And then when you launched a product, it just, you know, it did well because people, you know, trusted you at that point. So,
0: yeah, definitely. That's good. That's good. Okay. So customer service was one of the key areas, which has obviously really impacted it. Uh, what were some of the other things that you felt that you did that really st- stood out and helped you build up that revenue? Because you know you made a comment right at the start that you followed the advice of the uh, bro marketers. I like that. Um, <laughs> and it, it didn't didn't really work. What were some of the other no. things that you did that was maybe a bit different that helped you to grow? Yeah.
1: So when I say bro marketers, there was a whole, like, every day somebody was popping up, every day somebody mm. had a drop ship, you know, within a week they scaled. But nobody tells you how they scaled. Nobody told you about profitability. It was yeah, just usually kinda,
0: unprofitably.
1: It's very sketchy, right? So, yeah. like, <laughs> we were just like, okay, how did he do this? But then you realize, after, I mean, after having all this experience and working with real clients and looking at their accounts, you realize their margins are very thin. Um mm or non-existent you know they're scaling they're showing images and then you know the internet is it's a whole facade people are out there making things look bigger than they are um mm. but at the end of the day profit is king right so i actually focus on customer service and copywriting copywriting was huge um i actually i, I was just tweeting about this with a, another um, email marketer i use infomercials you know people don't realize that infomercials sell um mm. And it's not just like the pretty, like it's a whole human psychology, right? So I actually use a lot of, I I spent a lot of time, like I have books, like hundreds of pages, just written out different angles of selling like one to two products. That's it. Like my entire store sold, you know, a lot of stuff, but the main two that made, you know, about 70% of the revenue were two products. And the reason we did that is because I exhausted like the angle copy. I would write and write and write, um, uh, i'll mention the business book later but um you know i i read a lot i i you know focus on like how do you sell this so like you know i would i wouldn't focus too much on the imagery because honestly that's like kind of my my weak spot graphics and, and imagery but i knew that you know copy speaks to people headlines speak to people so i actually tested a lot of that through my ads um and and that's really what got you know one of the items went really viral just because of one of the headlines that you know took off so copywriting was huge um understanding you know critically thinking about like how the person decides or makes like that journey from finding your product you know trusting you buying your product you know vouching for you it it's all like it's a process and it takes time and i think That was missing at the beginning because I thought, oh, I'm failing (laughs) because I didn't go from, you know, zero to a million over seven days like these guys were. And then you realize, like, you'll read about these guys are posting case studies and stuff. And and you realize they've been in the business for like 10 years. You know, it's not it's not an overnight uh, success. Um, So, yeah, those are the two major ones I focused on.
0: Yeah, nice, yeah. And you can hear the the passion for that in the way you say it as well. So it's um, it, it's, it, it's clear to see that, obviously, it was something that you majored on. And I think copywriting for any entrepreneur is so key. It doesn't matter whether it's e-commerce or, you know, services or anything, you know, whether it's raising money for your business, there's always going to be an opportunity to grow yeah. your business with good copywriting. So it's, I think it's a skill that, yeah, every entrepreneur should should learn and, and devote time to improving. Improving for sure. Um, I'd love to spend some time on email marketing then um, and uh, and talk about, obviously, deliverability is an area you specialize in. But before we even get to that, uh, e-commerce, email marketing, there's a lot of content on the internet about email marketing in general. But not always as much about e-commerce specifically. Uh, so yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, as it's—I mean—it's an area I'm really trying to improve on as well, and uh, improve email um, collection for our brands. But then also what you do with it after that. So you know, right at that first point, what are some of the things that you've done that have really helped you? Number one, to grow that email list. Um, you know, are you just doing a basic pop-up, ten percent off on your website, or are there some other strategies you can um, you know, share with us?
1: Yeah, so I wanna mention that email marketing is just a channel, just like Facebook ads or Google ads. Um, it's a channel, it's a channel, but the nice thing about email marketing is it can get very personal. And that's kinda of why I chose it because it's very heavily targeted. You can target your audience and get very uh, deep down into like the human psychology and talk to your audience at a level that you really can't on the front end. And honestly, when I go into a lot of clients, So a lot of e-commerce clients just, you know, hand off their um, email to an agency or maybe a freelancer and say, here, this is what we're doing. Send out these emails. And that's great. I mean, you're gonna make money that way, that's fine. Um, But if you truly wanna like harness the power of email marketing, there's a million strategies you can use just through email marketing. Um, So like when I come into a client's account, I look at all their front end traffic, whether it's organic, social, um, paid, whatever it is. Um, if they're writing a blog, I make sure there's an opt-in somewhere on those, um, channels. So if you're on TikTok, I'm driving people to your email list. If you're on Instagram, I'm creating something for them to drive them to an email list. And then we nurture through automations, same thing with ads, same thing with blogs, SEO, all of that. And the reason is it's better to capture an email, than to get a conversion on the first touch, and the reason I say that, I mean, people are gonna come at me. Um, <laughs> conversions are great because you still capture the email, but with with capturing the email before the conversion, they are opting in to your and subscribing to your actual email, and mm-hmm. not just buying and saying, "Hey, maybe I don't want to hear from you." Subscription wise, the reason that is great is because you have them for a longer period of time to nurture. Like I've had yeah. I've had clients that you know people opt in and they wait like a whole year before they buy. So like understanding your life cycle, understanding like your customer's journey, where they're at, um, you know, how long it's gonna take them to convert. That's all, it takes patience, but email does really well. And you know, people say, um, if you're doing like 60, 70% of your email, you're not driving enough traffic. That's kind of true for some circumstances. But like, on lo- say like you have a launch month, right? Like you have a big, you know, promotion coming up. How do you, how do you, you know, capture that audience and how do you drive them to purchase and create that hype? Well, email marketing is how you do it. You bring them in, you nurture them, you make them anticipate, and then when the drop happens, they're all ready to buy. And that's kind of when you see like those big spikes in email where it's like 70% of your revenue this month was from email. It's because you took all your front end effort, like your ads and social. And you you know put them in a bucket and got them ready to buy from you. So like their email can be very powerful um, if used correctly. And this is, this requires a lot of strategy and a lot of time, but it can be done. And this is why like when I work with a client, it's not it's never just hey what are you guys doing? I'll send out an email today. It's more of what's going on this month? How can we hit our goal? Let's create a strategy, drive that uh, traffic in nurture them get them ready and then you know send them the time to buy So, it's a whole like funnel.
0: It's interesting there that you mentioned about the ability to be able to get the conversion or collect the email. It's something I was thinking about, funnily enough, literally just today, because we've got a new product we're launching soon and I want to advertise that. We get a lot of our traffic through um, like SEO. And so, I'm thinking, where can I put those advertisements for that new product? But a lot of them are going to have to replace areas where we collect an email address. And so, uh, I was thinking about that. Do I want to collect an email address or do I want to get that sale but I agree with you on that that I think more people are going to convert to an email address than are going to convert to the sale and whilst yes I'd love that sale up front it's way more likely that I'm going to get the email address and then because of that ongoing um, report that's building so yeah it's, it's a very interesting um, interesting thought and I suppose it's a lot of it's about the the traffic source that you're um, that you're sending and, and the purpose you have for it but yeah really uh, you know lots to lots to ponder there in terms of, of collecting emails um, so you-
1: Yeah, sorry. I was going to say like, so if you, if you are debating between conversions and like an opt in, you, I mean, the thing is that people think about like email a lot, like let's set it and kind of forget it, especially with like opt ins to automation, like never, you know, you never change it once it's set up. And what you can actually do there is you can get the conversion, but also remind them to subscribe because something new is coming and they want to stay in the know, like, it's okay to do both. Um, but like at the checkout, make sure like they are subscribing because a lot of people don't realize that just because somebody is buying from you does not mean they're subscribed to your email list to hear from you. So you can have those messages there, but like make it enticing enough for that people, um, sign up. So like for me, what I do a lot of times to keep, to get people on the list, I always say, you know. Even if you don't want to hear from us, email marketing wise, sign up because we might have like shipping updates or we might have like a hiccup in your order and we want to reach out to you. But if you're not subscribed to our email list, we can't, like we cannot email you, right? And especially if you have a huge list, like if you have a hundred thousand people on your list and 20,000 of those people are not subscribed, but they still need to be, you know, you need to reach out to them to get them information about their order or something um or like maybe your supplier or anything anything to do with like a transactional uh, what do you call it and i know you can do transactional emails but this is more of like from the marketing side just get them on there Um, and you can always exclude them from the marketing aspect but use them when it's necessary so like i try to give them a reason to stay on regardless if they want to hear marketing emails or not because you know communicate emails first and the, the first thing of email it's communication so we use it as a communication channel first and then marketing second so yeah
0: Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, So lots of potential, obviously with email, I think our audience would be sold on that for sure. Um, uh, But the key obviously is getting that email in the inbox. And this is a growing challenge um, for a few reasons. Um, You you know, different spam filters and things getting more complex and more sophisticated. Uh, Let's start with the, the obvious sort of question. Why is email deliverability so important?
1: So email deliverability is important because if you can't reach the inbox, <laughs> you're not getting any sales. So that's like the whole connection for e-com like most people use email for revenue purposes. You're not reaching the inbox, you're not getting that revenue. Yeah. That's the end and, of it, so.
0: And what is it that about an email or someone who's sending it that causes an email to not be delivered? most yeah, people so, listening would think, well, I'm, I'm going to send an email and it's going to go to the inbox and may, maybe don't even consider that it wouldn't go in the inbox. So what are the causes yeah. there?
1: Absolutely. So for e-commerce, and I say e-commerce are one of – e-commerce businesses have it the easiest with email marketing because most of the time people are willingly subscribing to your – Businesses because they want to buy something physical from you. Um, we're not talking here affiliate marketing. We're not talking you know cold emails, which are a little bit harder, right? So like your the steps to get into the inbox are cleaner and easier for you. So the first step is you know setting up your authentications. Make sure you, you know your signature is passing, which is the SPF. Um, your DKIM, your uh, domain key is passing. Um, and then there's a DMARC, which is another layer of um, protection for your email it's from people who are who can spoof or you know spam through your um, domain. And those are authentication records. Um, your ESP should have a way; uh, they should have it inside of their um, ESP, where you can take those records and put them in your DNS uh, records on your hosting site. So, like if you use GoDaddy.com, that's where you kind of host it. Um, setting those up allows like Gmail and Yahoo, when you send out an email, know that you are the sender, you know, they can verify. So that's like the first step. Like if you have those three set up, you should be able to inbox fairly easily. Um, And then like not using a no reply in the from email, make sure you use a from at domain, at your domain.com like email where that people can reply to you. Um, Using a clean template, a lot of people go with you know a one image template or a heavy image template or too many um, too many like uh, fonts and colors and stuff like that. If you make it hard for somebody to read and engage with your email, and again like we're we're going into hundreds of inboxes right, and they all render differently. Um, and if you're not getting that engagement, you're you're going to people are going to get annoyed by you. They're either going to hit spam. Or you know they're not gonna subscribe or they're just not gonna open anymore so like making sure like your template is pretty clean um and then there is also allowing the unsubscribe button to be seen um a lot of businesses just put it at the bottom very small you can't even see it the funny thing is like when you go and do it um You have to make sure that link, you know, that color, the link that changes the unsubscribe button. A lot of people will like use black or something as their background. And then the link button is blue and you can't even see it because it's not contrast and they can't they can't find it. So that, you know, that helps people hit spam on your email. So making sure that there's a clear way to opt out of your emails when people want to. So they're not hitting spam because spam complaints is what's going to get you really in the spam box uh, quickly. Uh, making sure your urls are clean don't use like bitly or you know that google dot whatever the shortcut um urls make sure they're clean as short as possible um and then again your images should be very clear and then finally making sure you are sending content that people want to sit want to hear and see and um click on and buy from so don't send emails just to send emails um make sure that you are including that Element that you know engages your customers with it, um, and the last thing is a lot of e-commerce stores go for the open, but they don't go for the click. And clicks are very important for Gmail, um, Outlook. You know they look at your engagement: are people clicking? Are people replying? Are people you know moving on from the email and not just staying inside the email or up, clicking out after opening it? That all determines where's your placement, how high is your domain um, reputation, all of that. So mm. just making sure you send clean, engaged emails that go beyond that email with a click or some type of reply.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, that's a whole wealth of information that I've got. About 17 follow up questions that I've been trying to remember <laughs> in my head from, from all of that. Um, starting with um, just for beginners, you mentioned uh, e- EMS, email uh, management system. So uh, that would be like Klaviyo, uh, Clavio, however yes. you pronounce it. Um, is that the most common one you're using? Do you work specifically yeah. with a certain tool or?
1: So I've worked with a lot. I've worked with Mailchimp, ActiveCampaign, um but most of my e-com e- clients have, you know, rushed to the Klaviyo side. Um I am exploring a new one called Sendlane. It's not new, but it's up and coming, um mm-hmm. only because of deliverability issues. Uh Klaviyo is great. Um it's great for e-commerce, but I have some issues with their <laughs> deliverability. And this is mm-hmm. why I say deliverability is important because even if you do everything you can, you can still end up in spam and that's because like Klaviyo is built on SendGrid and SendGrid has allowed a lot of um a lot of affiliate and cold, you know, email marketers to use their platform which kind of drives down their reputation, their IP reputations. So you know if you're sending from Klaviyo and you're getting into that mix you have a chance of ending in spam so like i do a lot of my a lot of my um deliverability practices are done manually i don't rely on like okay you know we got 50% open rates i check um uh, almost on a weekly basis if we are inboxing um just to make sure that things are still consistent because when you hit and you can hit like spam quickly and if you don't realize it your reputation can go down you know, quickly. And like the longer you go, the harder it is to come back into the inbox. It's going to take us a while. And most e-commerce stores, you know, one or two days with that email is a big hit to them in revenue wise. So we try to stay on top of things so that we never, you know, have the deliverable issues, especially like around big promotional periods like Black Friday. People don't realize that you don't even have to hit spam. Um, you can end up being just, you know. Your email just doesn't get delivered um, and that's because Gmail will hit like a limit of amount of emails during that day and they're just not going to deliver your emails. So like mm-hmm. you have to be very strategic with like your domain reputation and your sending practices to make sure that, okay, they're going to let me in and not the other person. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's it's a whole process.
0: With something like Clavio, is the uh, domain sending reputation anything? You, you talked about deliverability with them. Can you set up your own sending IP with them, or do you have to use theirs? What What are some of the solutions there?
1: Yeah, so you can um, you can create your own domain, dedicated domain, on Clavio. So like you can actually build your domain reputation with like Gmail and Outlook and Yahoo. Um, however, I don't, I don't recommend, you know, going on and creating your own IP. Um, and the reason is, is that you have to be, it takes a lot more work. It's more expensive. Most people are on shared IPs. So what Clavio does is it actually rates your, um, it rates your sending practices and it pulls you with the IP. It pulls you into the IP with other people who have the same sending practices as you. So like Um, So like if you're doing great, you're probably on a good IP. If you're having really bad or, you know, your practices are very like you have very low engagements or you're not doing what they're asking you to do at the very least, because, you know, all ESPs, which are email service providers, Klaviyo and MailChimp, um, they all have best practices for people who don't know a lot about email to keep them safe on their platform and if you're not following those you're going to end up on probably a bad IP but before you even get there I'm I'm very positive ESPs will warn you because they don't they don't want anybody on a bad IP either because it affects their platform so you are in risk of being kicked off that platform for having bad practices so the IP part I mean everybody's on a shared IP because let's face it I'm like unless you're sending you know you have a 500,000 list or a million list, you know, you don't really need a, a dedicated IP to yourself, um, but again, it, it it matters on your sending practices on which um, IP you're gonna end up on, so.
0: And those best practices for, you know, those sending practices you mentioned, to recap, they are um, engaging, they're obviously the, the stuff you're talking about before, right, the simple yep. images, the clear text, the, you know, encouraging the click, uh, those are all the things that are yes. you refer to there as the best practices
1: yeah and and one last one is one common mistake i see is either over segmenting their lists or they're not cleaning up their list at all so Mm -hmm. cleaning up your list is a big one too making sure that the only people are on your list are people who actually have been engaging and you know a lot of people say oh 30 day engagement or 60 or 90 days what i say is look at your open rates as long as they stay above 20 percent with the um with the application so Clavia allows you to weed out the false apple opens so you know you can tweet those out from the list um, and also look at your life cycle of your product so is your product something that people can buy every 30 days is it something they need like 90 days so don't just go with what's recommended look at your business and figure out where does that segmentation of the list happens
0: yeah no definitely that's um, that 's really helpful uh, on that front there 's so many things to try and be aware of isn 't there and uh, I think it is a yeah. big mindset shift for especially new uh, you know digital marketers new e commerce brand owners this idea of pruning a list it almost feels uh, you know you know, it almost feels a waste to collect those emails yeah. and then get rid of them. But actually, that's one of the most healthy things you can do because you do not want to be carrying people on your list that that don't want to be there. I even uh, there's uh, an email newsletter that I signed up to, and in the first paragraph or two of every email, there they say, "Hey, by the way, if you don't want to receive these emails, unsubscribe here." Like right at the top, front and center. Yeah. You know, you talked about burying the unsubscribe link earlier. It's like the complete opposite of that because they realize a they're paying. Uh, you know, per subscriber or, you know, threshold of subscribers. And also those deliverability stats are so, um, you know, so important, aren't they? So it is quite a a mindset shift for for new brand owners, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, like, a lot of people will have, say, say like, you take your opt-in on your website, you know, they have a static list where they're collecting emails and they'll use that static list to send emails all the time. But, like, if you're three, four years in, you're including everybody from those three four years. When when I say like when we go into Clavia, we never use static lists. Static lists are there to collect emails. Segmented lists are dynamic. Um, we use those because those are based on behavior, and you know we that's that's, that's the list that you want to do. So you take like you say like somebody who has opted into my master list, which is the opt-in and has engaged in the last like 90 days that's a segmentation of your master list whereas your master list is just anybody who's on that list and you don't want to send to that list because again you probably have people there's dead weight people who don't open or click or unsubscribe or hit spam they're just dead weight on there and they affect your deliverability on engagement Um, people who have unsubscribed and you're sending emails again to them Um, now the nice thing about klaviyo is if somebody hits unsubscribe, they suppress them, they take them off the list. The catch there is Google does not have a feedback loop to um Clavio. So if somebody's hitting spam in Google, that report is not going back to Clavio. So people are hitting spam and they're on your static list and you're sending emails again to them. You can read you can <laughs> put to that. Yeah. So it gets a little complicated there. Um, so yeah, you need to use dynamic lists all the time, um, to make sure that you have a very clean list and you're not, you know, engaging with people who don't want to hear from you.
0: Would you recommend then sending or or creating a sort of win back campaign or, um, a inactive subscriber campaign to try and re-engage them? And then if you don't delete them or do you just leave them there?
1: yeah so win back campaigns are typically campaigns for people who haven't purchased in a while and then there's sunset campaigns where people who don't engage we just kind of remove them off the list we do both. we have both of those um set up as automations um one thing i do want to mention don't ever delete anybody from your email lists so like klaviyo will host all your emails you're using, like, say you have 100,000 people. You're only using 30,000 those people, you know, sending emails to. But you have 60, um, 70,000 people that aren't engaging. But they're still people you've collected over time, either bought from you or you know opted in. The reason I say don't delete them, um, they're still data for you. Uh, you can use those that you can actually, ex- you know, extract that data and use it in your ads. Use it to get some insight on your customers. Um, don't ever delete emails, just make sure that you're not using to send to them. And like Klaviyo, again, you're not paying per, per user, you're paying per send. So like, if you have 30,000 people, you're only out of that hundred thousand, you're only paying for the 30,000 you're sending to per email. So like okay. choose your, um, choose your tier pricing based on that send, the amount of people you're sending to per email, not the amount of people that are actually on your list over the overall time.
0: Yeah. Okay, good. Um, final question on this um, bit then. The signals that you said about, obviously, engagement with the email, uh, opening is a, is a big one, but then clicking is another one. Mm-hmm. What are some things there that should be done? Aside from having great products that you want to click on, what are some of the strategies that you would encourage brand owners to do to make sure they're getting that level of interaction?
1: Yeah, so a lot of times you'll see, like, the biggest, the biggest two I see is there's too many links inside of an email. So a confused buyer doesn't buy or doesn't click. And then there's the opposite where there's no call to action anywhere. There's no button to buy anything. So like you have two opposite ends. So make sure your, your um, call to action, your link, the click is clear and it's easy to access. That's it. Um, and then like when we create emails, we stick to one main idea first so like if i want to include more things i would include it like below a fold um but most of the time our emails are one point one idea uh, we're trying to get across to the customer we're not writing you know new arrivals and clearance and and the featured product that's too much um mm-hmm. and i'm i'm in the, i'm the i'm i'm part of the school of sending every emails every day because if you're not landing in your um And again, like this is with segmentation and understanding your list, but I am, I send emails every day for my clients when I work with them. And the reason I do that is we want to make sure we're target, we're sending the right message to the right people at the right time, um, and keeping it to one message at a time, instead of having like a Thursday newsletter where you have like 10 clicks you have, you know, you spread it out over, you know, seven days and you have a click each day and you're targeting a certain segment each day that, you know, are, is clearly more interested in what you are, what you have to say. And that actually, um, there's a correlation. The more emails you send, the more revenue you make. Um, and that's, you know, as long as you keep your deliverability clean, there's no reason for you not to do it. So...
0: Yeah, no, lots, lots to be working on there. Really helpful. I assume Clavio uh, and other uh, ESPs—I think I call them EMSs or something—are that, but ESPs—they um, have um, the the guidance for the like SPF records, DK, DKM, DKIM records. Like Clavio would have all of that documentation, wouldn't they?
1: Yes. Yeah, they do have it. And actually, what's nice about Klaviyo, um they just upgraded, so you have a deliverability tab inside your campaigns that you send. They will give you um, your deliverability report. The only thing I can I want to mention is because um, Gmail doesn't have a feedback loop, you can go to Postmaster. I think it's google.postmaster.com um, and set up an account there. And that's where you can find your Gmail feedback loop for your domain. Um, so you can monitor your Gmail stuff over there, your IP reputation, your domain, your spam rates, um, because there is no, it won't come back to Klaviyo. You won't see it in Klaviyo. So, okay.
0: um, good last random question. But have you ever tried Privy for email? Because we we use Privy a lot for pop up cl- uh, like email collection and stuff. And they're trying to rival Klaviyo now. Have you Have you looked at it much?
1: I have not looked at Privy. So I did use Privy on my store when they first came out. I used them for pop up. They did not have email yet um, at that time. Um, I have not used them for email. Um, it's it just ne- I've never had a client that actually worked mm. with them. I've worked with Omnisend um that i think Omnisend is probably the other channel that rivaled klaviyo at the time i started working but
0: what would most of your clients be using for email collection then like widgets and pop-ups and stuff
1: we use uh klaviyo's pop-up forms they have their own forms on there and it's nice Mm -hmm. because it you know it's all integrated i even you know i try to integrate sms um, with email on klaviyo and the reason is is having your SMS and um, email on one platform is better than having them separated. Um, just the data comes in at the same time. You can target them better through automations. Yeah. So we try to unify all those into one platform.
0: Yeah, yeah, nice, good. Okay, um, any other final common mistakes you see brand owners making with email that you feel just are worth sharing before we finish?
1: Um, not common mistakes but i feel like a lot of brand owners and this is like my mission is to make sure that especially d2c businesses are online are aware of deliverability and email you know email marketing and making sure that they know that the educational aspect of it so when they hire in-house or a freelancer or you know even um an agency or work with an esp they're asking the right questions to get the best for their um you know for their money that they're paying for um and that's like one of my my biggest mission right now is because i feel like everybody focuses on you know i got you 30 percent i got you this revenue that's great but in the long run deliverability is king here and if you can't get into the inbox you know and, and that's like that's most of my clients they come to me after they've worked with a lot of these people and you know they're they asked like, what's going on? Like, we're not doing as well as we did. And it's like, because deliverability and, you know, there's not a lot of information out there in the e-comm world, you know, or anyone speaking on it a lot. So a lot of times, you know, it's about when we talk about deliverability, everyone says, you know, make sure you segment your list, make sure you send engagement content. That's great. But there's a technical aspect too that you need to keep an eye on as well.
0: Good. Okay. This has been super helpful um, for me. I've got lots to, to be working on and I'm sure our listeners do as well. Um, love to finish with our um, quick fire lightning round. We didn't find time for it yet. So um, if you're up for that, just uh, your, your favorite five uh, on a different uh, few topics, if, uh, if if that's cool. Sure. Are you Are you ready for that? Yep. Good stuff. Sure. All right. Um, so first <laughs> of all, do you have a favorite e-commerce brand?
1: I do. Uh, my favorite e-commerce brand is it's called soapbox soaps. Um, and the reason is, um, they're a, they're a, you know, shampoo brand conditioner brand that's out there that, you know, it does clean products. The reason I like them is because I don't know if you've ever been to the U.S. and in a grocery store, but the shampoo aisles are like anxiety attacks, especially for me. Like I'll go in trying to buy a shampoo and I'll, I'll be there for three hours and it's, it's a, ma- it's madness. Like every day there's something new. And, um, I think it was by chance I was trying to find like a bar of soap and I ended up accidentally, I think, ordering them and I tried them and they're amazing. Um, and I looked up their product and what I like about, um, I love the e com space. I, I do. I think people, you know, are, are very creative and they're trying to do well for the world. Um, and I love I love um, businesses that give back. And they're one of the businesses that, you know, work with organizations to um, I believe they deliver soaps and clean water around the world. And, and that's like one of the biggest thing, like if you're going to start an e-commerce brand, how are you going to better our world? And that's probably one of my favorite brand because their products are amazing but also because they have that mission to keep our environment clean as we move forward <laughs> so nice
0: yeah i love it mission led <laughs> brand i love it good okay um what about favorite software or tool
1: you know it's funny my favorite software tool is my apple notes and that's because i feel like my brain never stops working and i just you know my phone's always nearby um I always open it up. I have tons of notes and ideas. I have, you know, tabs for each client. Like if I if I think of something in the night, I wake up and I write it down. So that that's my favorite. It's it's with me anytime. I have tons of information on there, and you know, <laughs> it's yeah, it's good. like my brain on notepads. So
0: yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Okay, what about a favorite uh, paid marketing channel?
1: Uh, my favorite paid marketing channel. It's probably Google ads. And the reason is I said I said that is because it's very consistent. I love yeah. it because there's predictability and consistency. Facebook is great for scaling, but when things crash, you can rely on Google ads. <laughs> so. Yeah,
0: definitely. There was a crazy uh, time of recording. It was yesterday or over the weekend. I don't yeah. know if you saw it. Crazy Facebook ad overspend.
1: Yep. It was on Sunday, I believe. Yeah. It was my son's was- birthday, so I was offline. But when I came on, I just saw all the all the tweets about it, it was crazy.
0: Yeah. Literally, it was all anyone was talking about on my Twitter feed was just how much money they'd spent on, on Facebook ads, Absolutely, crazy times. Yeah. Um, okay, the last couple then, your favorite organic marketing channel?
1: Um, I think I've come to realize, I think my favorite is probably Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. It's very stable. I think it's moved a lot towards like business owners, um, has a lot more stability. I, I've been trying out Twitter, I'm not really, too happy with Twitter. <laughs> so I think like I'm I'm thinking, you know, I'm actually launching and building on Instagram the win box there because I feel like that's where I can attract more stable like e commerce brands that are looking for the email marketing um channel, you know, and the yeah. revenue there. So
0: Good, good. And then finally, do you have a favorite business book?
1: Yes, my favorite business book, and it was one of the first I've read, was Cashvertising by mm-hmm. Drew Eric Whitman. He taught me how to uh, write <laughs> for marketing. Okay. So, um, him and his book and um, infomercials were the reason I actually was able to get my ads to work. So, awesome. um, it's one of my favorite. I think every you know everyone who's starting out can you know really benefit from just that, the simplicity of it too and learning how to copyright yeah so.
0: yeah great recommendations thank you for those and thank you for this episode has been like I say uh, value-packed uh, email deliverability seems like such a narrow niche topic but there's so much we haven't even scratched the surface off I feel like that it's, it's gonna be great for beginners uh, but there's so much more advanced stuff we could definitely go into in time um, but if people do want to find out more for it obviously this is your business this is what you do yeah. and so uh, where can people find out you know more about you about what you do and how you could potentially help with this
1: yeah, um, you can reach me at, um, our website is thewinbox, dot xcom um, We have a resource library. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly adding, you know, um, information on there, like blogs and articles that you guys can use in your business about deliverability, strategy, anything, you know, email marketing. And then we have a work with me uh, section as well. And we have several, you know, um, several packages that people can reach out to get help or you can just get in touch with us with the uh there's a form down there if you just want to directly contact me so
0: nice, nice awesome well we'll leave the links to that in the uh show notes and the description etc yes. i love the name by the way the win box it's good <laughs> yes in the inbox. It's, uh, yeah very cool <laughs> i love it um and yeah we'll leave that for people to to connect with you and thank you again israel for taking time out and sharing your knowledge with us it's been uh, it's been really valuable
1: thank you for having me
0: It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. I hope you've got as much out of this episode as I have and have got as many to-do items uh, that I've got to take away from this episode. Uh, I'm sure that you have and it will help with your emails getting into the inbox and making your brand more money. Uh, If you have liked the episode, be sure to like and subscribe, etc. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode, same time, next week. Take care.